Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my Happy Hanukkah. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at badness and fat, glory, it's indescribably beautiful. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Tis the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. Josh. Hey, you're listening to 30-something movie podcast. It's Christmas time. It's the season to be merry. Is that any of your names? Not tonight. Not tonight. Okay. All right. It isn't, but man, listening to that intro, there's like 40 movies I need to go like watch right now. I mean, it's just, those were some pretty great drops. And and frankly, that's the old intro. I'm like, I was sitting around the yeah. other day, I was like, you know what, if if I wasn't so behind on other stuff, I'm like, I, I'd like to do a new one with maybe like some other 90s movies and things like that. So, yeah. so maybe like in some of the episodes for later in this month, there might be a slightly different Christmas drop, but for that one, I was like, you know, oh man, I gotta, we gotta go watch Scrooge, we gotta... Yeah, and even just listening to Ernest sing "Oh Christmas Tree," that oh, Christmas that right tree. there is worth the "Oh Christmas yes. Tree," "Oh Christmas oh, Tree," "Oh Christmas Tree," "Oh Christmas Tree." My gosh! For some reason, on a school night, Nora is still awake, and she's over here. She's sitting over here, like doing a puzzle, off on the other side of the room, and she's like staring at me while I'm sitting here, going "Oh Christmas Tree." Oh, Christmas tree. Has she not seen that yet? Oh no, she's seen the Ernest okay. Saves Christmas. Good. You've seen Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah. I was going to oh, be yeah. disappointed in you as a yeah. father. I'm not going to lie. I don't. I don't remember if she has seen Scrooged or not. Now we well. Do... Oh, she's the right age for it. Okay. Yeah. I think I my I don't know what my radar as far as that is terrible. Not having children. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I feel like I err too far the other way because I'm afraid I'm going to be wrong. So, I, I, in fact, I want to say they might have seen it already. It's I don't know. I have to... It's a fantastic movie, and oh, yeah. Bill Murray is at his top of his game. Yeah. He's, he, you know, I, I always tell people, because I do come across people who haven't seen it, I always tell people he's almost more Bill Murray in that movie than in any of the other movies of that era. Like, he is I, just... I can see that. So, well, Bill Murray in some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or at least what I think of as bill murray yeah you know yeah but we did watch one the other day with what is it on apple tv plus spirited have you guys seen that one no it's the musical with will ferrell and ryan reynolds oh i, I have heard things it is i have uh, not seen it yeah it is it's it's the christmas carol story basically and yes it's, uh, it's got some fun twists to it it was it was a fun movie it was I, certain members of our family did not stay long for it because they're not as much of a musical fan as the rest of us are or enlightened that's another way of putting it correct those that are the unwashed masses and not enlightened left because it was a musical after about 10 minutes uh mm-hmm. but the rest of us who you know call me sometime when you have class stayed and watched the rest of the movie and, and really enjoyed it 
Outstanding. I bring up the Rodney Dangerfield just to tell a, a quick story about something at work today. One of the people that I work with, actually the person that works almost directly behind where I am so we can just turn our chairs and, and see each other and talk to each other. Throw things at each other. And throw things at each other. Asked a question earlier today and ended up getting, I believe, almost a 20-minute answer. They asked the question, hey, John, have you ever watched or do you know anything about Rodney Dangerfield? Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> That what like is that code for something? No. Asking a question of that? no, they just they they didn't know. I mean, I I talk movies what, all the time. What but brought it up to them? I have questions now. They were we were talking about well, we were talking about something else related to movies, and for some reason, it made them think of the movie Back to School. Nah, I think I mentioned something about movies that that would mean something to teachers, and I referenced Dead Poet Society and. Sure. Uh, stand and deliver and, and some of those. Mm-hmm. And then they said something about back to school. And they're like, they're like, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. And I was like, I know him. <laughs> I get no respect. I, when I was a kid, my mom used to tie a stake around my neck. So the dog would play with me. <laughs> Why don't you, you want to go out to dinner? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. Well, what about Saturday night? I have class. Well, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? That's the ugliest hat I've ever seen. That looks like the kind of hat you get with the free bowl of soup. Oh, but it looks good on you. Yes, I actually did this exact same bit after they asked me about whether I knew anything about Rodney. Oh, Dangerfield. I am not surprised about that. Yeah. They're like, they're like, so you've seen Back to School? I'm like, the Triple Lindy? Are you kidding? Of course, I've seen Back to School. The uh, question is, have you seen Back to School? Right. Then the other question that came up, because there was there was a, some kind of a, I don't know if it was like members of the tech team or somebody was talking construction and, and they were trying to decide what kind of, I think they were re- replacing some of the electrical outlets in a room and they were like, do you think we should do 110, 220? And then, of course, I chime in. 220, 221, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I, I got no reaction. Oh, this is what our, is... our this is what our buddies over at the not that they're our buddies because they don't know we exist but our buddies over at the Greatest Generation podcast would call a bad bit moment. Yeah, but uh, just always uh, doing bits. Yeah. What? What? what I know. Why I know. do you? Why do you not like? I'm sorry, but like I'm backing up. Like they should know that. How old was the collective age of the people you were talking to? Like 18? I mean, no, no, it was one person, and the, and their collective age is older than me. Oh man, come on. <sighs> there's there's some things you just can't account for and taste is one of them. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I maybe I weep. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, if there's if it if it tells us anything, it tells us we need to keep doing the good work that we're doing. That's yeah. true. Fight the good fight. We do. And I understand that people struggle. I mean, I, I understand. I understand that you little guys start out with your whoobies and you think they're great. And they are. They're they're terrific. But but pretty soon a whoobie isn't enough and then you're out on the street trying to score an electric blanket or, or a quilt. By the way Well you're being you're being generous. All I had it going through my mind was the, the line from Batman eighty nine where the Joker says, And now it's time for me to relieve you, the little people, of your <laughs> insignificant life. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, I got strange looks when I stood up in the middle of the district office and yelled, this office needs an enema. <laughs> <laughs> if you kill him, he won't learn nothing. Don't kill him. 
we won't learn nothing. And if any office needed an enema, I mean. Well, you know. So I, I mentioned all of the Mr. Mom stuff as as a slight preview. For those of you that are our Patreon co-executive producers, that will be something fun that you will get when January comes around because one of our Patreon shorts in January will be Mr. Mom from 1983. For those about to rock. For those about to rock, we salute, we you. salute you. So... So a little, little preview there, a little preview. All right. Well, our movie this time around, the movie, for those about to talk about a movie, we salute you. This month's theme, the month of December, the theme was mostly Christmas, and this is the movie that was a bit of a stretch because it has nothing to do with Christmas. However, there are the Christmas songs referring to the babe in the manger. Now, if you just remove the manger, we have the Babe, the movie about the life of Babe Ruth, which has nothing to do with Christmas. This is why it was mostly Christmas. They come out at night, mostly. But yes, so this is the one that was a bit of a stretch for December, but uh, there was really nowhere else for it to go. Frankly, the way the Babe Ruth's life ended up, as we saw at the end of this movie, is frankly, there was nowhere else for him to go, so... Nowhere else for it to go, so we bring it in. Is there nothing more Christmas than that theme right there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't think I've introduced you gentlemen by name. So if, if you guys would leave, I, then I can introduce Bo and Pat. Bo and Pat, how are you I was going to say keep the names out of the band. Let's keep it safer that way. Well, I had, I, I had to let the other gentlemen that were here and being silent excuse themselves so that I could introduce the other guys. I mean, I referred right. to you as gentlemen, but I didn't want to insult anybody. It's okay. the mouse in his pocket, you know. Well, you know. I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> Snowball? <laughs> hey, pull my finger. <laughs> no. So our movie this time around is The Babe. We spoil freely, so be warned. We just, uh, we're talking here. We're, we're talking amongst ourselves. We'll give you a topic. It's going to be a movie. Visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon if you are not already. Now is a great time to do that. We've got a lot of really great content out there. We've got a bunch of Patreon shorts little like 10, 15 minute episodes. We've got the regular Patreon ones that come out each month. And then there are other benefits to being able to join there, telling us what movies to watch, joining us to talk about a movie on the episode. So yes, if you want to, if you want to head over there, if, if you're thinking about, if you've enjoyed the show over the course of this year or many years, and you're like, Hey, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, throwing a buck or two every month towards the guys here. We, we, Greatly appreciate any support. If you can't support us in that way, then just tell people. If if you tell two friends, and they two tell they tell two friends, and so on, they tell and two so friends. on. That's also helpful as well. So, uh, but you do get bonus content if you are uh, there over on Patreon with us. So we we appreciate all of our Patreon co executive producers that are over there, and just always have so much fun getting to talk to you guys and, and getting to know everybody over there. So. All right, this month in 92, because we are in one of the very first episodes, we kind of skipped a little bit because we had a bonus episode there, so I'm kind of treating this one as the beginning of the month, so we're going to hop in the DeLorean and we're going to jump back to December of 1992. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're going to see some serious... Get back, Marty. All right. Let's see. This month in 92, the the always 
fun names to say. If you remember this or not, oddly enough, I remember this. Even though, and I think we mentioned this before because I think the original event happened back in May. Top news, December 1st, Amy Fisher was sentenced to between 5 and 15 years in prison for shooting Mary Jo Buttafuoco in the face. Wow. Yeah. So That's crazy. I, I remember that being all over the news. December 4th, the Somali Civil War, President George H.W. Bush orders 28,000 U.S. troops to Somalia. Famous births during December of 92. Some of us here may know the name of a Puerto Rican baseball infielder. He was an MLB All-Star in 2018 and 2019. Mr. Javier Baez. Hmm was born December 1st, 1992. December 30th, 1992, Carson Wentz, the American NFL quarterback. He was in the Pro Bowl in 2017, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Deaths in December of 92, December 18th, 92, Mark Goodson. You might know him from the Mark Goodson Productions of The Price is Right, Password, and I've Got a Secret. He died of pancreatic cancer at age 77 in 1992. And possibly the saddest one of all, is on December 30th of 1992, Ling Ling the Panda, given to the United States by China, oh. passed away at age 23. Oh, Ling Ling. Poor Ling Ling. Top sports news. As a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, it, it pains me that not only did both of these things happen on my birthday, but... They both happened to teams in San Francisco. Number six, the San Francisco Giants sign a record $43 million deal with Pirates MLB outfielder Barry Bonds. Mm. And also on December 6, San Francisco 49ers wide receiver Jerry Rice catches an NFL record 101st touchdown with a 27-3 win over the Miami Dolphins. He wasn't so bad, that guy. No, he was, he was pretty good. He, he did a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... He was pretty awesome. Top book was Dolores Claiborne. Clay, let's try saying that right. Dolores Claiborne mm-hmm. by Stephen King. And top movies, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, was a top movie for one week in December. And then A Few Good Men came in and kind of kicked that out for the rest of the month. And they couldn't handle the truth. They could not handle the truth. Top song for the entire month of December was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, mm. which I think was the top song for quite a while. Yeah. All right. She good. Yes. There's a biopic of Whitney Houston coming out. I think there is. I saw the preview before Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. That's where I saw it too. I am so so real quick, and then we'll then we'll get into the movie we came to talk about here tonight. I am kind of excited. I'm trying to find a way to go see this one very very soon. I want to go see the new Christmas movie. Oh, Violent Night. But yeah, yeah. I want to go see. Is David Harbor plays Santa Claus? Uh huh. I'm kind of excited about it. It's getting some interesting publicity. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So I might I might give myself a little birthday gift and go see that. There you go. So happy early birthday. Oh, well, thank you. To our illustrious host. Thank you. Oh, John, it's as at the time of this recording, you are turning 26 in like 4 hours, right? For for Three the hours? Yeah. It's it's one of those like <laughs> 26 to the like third or fourth power. Definitely. You know, it's it's my continually understanding that there will be no math. There will be no math. So I, I go go with 26. When it comes to birthdays, it's my understanding there would be no math during the celebration. <laughs> All right, our movie this time around is called The Babe. 
It was released on the 17th of April, 1992, rated PG, with a runtime of one hour, 55 minutes, directed by Arthur Hiller, who died in 2016. He did Love Story and See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Writer for this one was John Fusco. He did Young Guns and Hidalgo. He also produced this one. He also produced Thunderheart, which we had just a few weeks ago, and the TV series Marco Polo. Did you guys ever watch that one? It was pretty good. I did not. You did I not. did not. It was yeah. pretty good. I, I can't remember if it was on Netflix or somewhere else, but it was pretty good. It, was, it wasn't a very long series, but it might have been two seasons, maybe just one. But, yeah, it was pretty good. So it, it's more recent. It's not like something from back in the day. It might be from, it might even be like 10 years old now. At least I want to say it was at least six years ago that it came out. Okay. Okay. I, I guess I was saying, like, it wasn't like a contemporary of this movie. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Music for this one was done by Elmer Bernstein, who died in 2004, did Ghostbusters, Black Cauldron, and Three Amigos. Cinematography by Haskell Wexler, who died in 2015. He did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Colors. Editor was Robert C. Jones, who died in 2021. He was the editor for one of Podrick's favorite movies. It's a mad, 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 mad world. And guess who's coming to dinner? Budget for this one. Mr. Mad in there. Yeah. Did I? I'm not sure. Okay. It was my understanding there would be no math when it comes to the bands. Budget for this one, not sure. Box office was $19.9 million. Flick Metrics gives the babe 57%, and CinemaScore did not have a score for this one. Hmm. John Goodman played Babe Ruth. He was in Roseanne and Monsters, Inc. Kelly McGillis played Claire Ruth. She was in Top Gun and Witness. Trini Alvarado played Helen Ruth. She was in Little Women and the Frighteners. Bruce, Bruce Boxleitner played Jumpin' Joe Dugan. He was in Tron and Babylon 5. Peter Donat played, died in 2018, played Frazee. He was in The Game and The China Syndrome. James Cromwell, Brother Matthias, who was in Star Trek First Contact. And oddly enough, also Babe. I wonder how many actors have been in two very different movies with, the, with almost the exact same name. Yeah, that is an interesting, an interesting research. I would moment. love it if at some point during this movie, he, I mean, the times would be reversed, but if he, you know, at some point when Babe Ruth was the chubby little kid in the uh, do pig. boys' school, he just turned to him like, that'll do, pig. That'll do. <clears throat> uh, I mean, it'll have a slightly different connotation, but. Yes. Yes, it would. It was, it was more tender and loving when he said it to the side of bacon that he was raising. Yes. Um, J.C. Quinn died in 2004, played Jack Dunn. He was in Maximum Overdrive in The Abyss. Joseph Ragno played Huggins. He was in The Shawshank Redemption and The Phantom. And Michael McGrady played Lou Gehrig. He was in Project X. And he might have also been in a TV series called CSI Miami. There we go. I, you couldn't. None of you could see that, but I took off my sunglasses right before I said that. All right, a few trivia things related to this movie. And, and I have this thing just floating around in my mind that at some point, whenever I go places, I would like to try to stop and find spots where movies had been filmed. Like, John and I went to Indianapolis earlier this summer, and I, I was trying to look up spots. I'm like, oh, man, I could, could I stop by where they filmed Hoosiers? Could I stop by, like, what other stuff did they film nearby? And I had, a few months ago, I had been driving through and, you know, took a picture of the school from Ferris Bueller, the water tower, the safe Ferris water tower, like some of that stuff. I took the picture of the, the steps in Chicago from the Untouchables. So I've got in my brain, I'm like, you know what? When I go places now, I'm going to try to see if they filmed a movie somewhere nearby. And I'm going to see if I can stop and, like, 
snap a couple of pictures. Well, this one in particular, not student teaching, but when I did, it was kind of like during or before you did student teaching as a teacher when you're still in college, you did kind of like these six to eight week practicum kind of deals at other local schools nearby. And one of the towns that I did mine in was in Danville, Illinois, which is actually where a lot of this film was filmed. So you have the minor league team, the Danville Dans Stadium in Danville, Illinois, was the one used for Fenway Park and Forbes Field. And a lot of it was used in some of the black and white news footage. That's very cool. Yeah. Every ballpark, though, except Fenway Park, was portrayed by Wrigley Field. So fun little uh, fun little Chicago trivia there. A lot of this was filmed in the Chicago and Illinois area. I would I would be curious to see what they did to like dress it up to change them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know much about the historical ballparks and how that, but you know if they just what treatments they gave it or if any at all to kind of give it, give them the different look of the different stadiums. Oh, I mean, part of it I think I think in particular, I mean Wrigley, especially back in the back in the early '90s, was still fairly old looking. Yeah. And so I think all they really had to do for the most part was put up some walls to cover up the Ivy. And I think actually there was a thing in one of the other trivia things I saw. I, th- I think they said that was one of the only things that they really did was they put up some temporary walls so that you didn't see the Ivy in the outfield. That's very interesting. In the film, much like me personally, Babe Ruth is depicted as being overweight since his youth. In reality, Babe never put on the weight until his adult life, which I would like to say is also true of me. We're just, I'm, I'm just going to tell lies as my own personal birthday gift to myself. But uh, he did in his adult life when he started making money and enjoying the benefits of his fortunes. And then ultimately he ended up losing a lot of weight again than when he was first diagnosed with cancer. Another fun one, the Yankees announcer in this movie is played by none other than Wayne Mesmer, who Cubs fans will know. In real life, he is affiliated with the Chicago Cubs. He has sung the national anthem hundreds of times at Wrigley Field and has also served as the public address announcer. And he has his own band, which I've actually seen perform a few times. Oh, nice. Which is really fun. Much like the film, much like the, sorry, like the film, The Babe Ruth Story, this film perpetuates the myth that Babe Ruth dramatically pointed to center field and called his shot in the 1932 World Series against the Cubs. In reality, Babe Ruth did not actually point to the stands. According to both Yankees and Cubs players who were still living and interviewed over the years, they said that while Babe Ruth was at bat, the Cubs players were razzing him on each strike, to which he sarcastically held up a finger for each strike, as shown in the movie, as if to say, it's only one strike, it's only strike two. Then according to Cubs catcher, Gabby Harnett, Ruth said, it only takes one to hit it. So Ruth called his shot in the sense that he predicted he was going to hit a home run, but he never actually pointed, as shown in the movie. But that's one of those myths that continues on even to this day. That that kind of stuff is always interesting. Yeah. And was this that one, a, oh yeah, go ahead. Was that a was that a myth before this movie, or did this movie kind of popularize that? No, no it was I, before this. I think it was before this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like that had kind of been a very a long time myth that kind of then got further perpetuated by books and movies and. Got it. Understood. And then this one I, I thought was was a little sad, but, you know. In an interview on both Inside the Actors Studio and the Howard Stern Show, John Goodman admitted that he was very disappointed in his own performance in this movie. Hmm. I thought he did fine, but apparently he did not. Interesting. So, for this one, in a world where Babe Ruth grows from a troubled boy who was sent to an orphanage to one of the most successful baseball players on record, he must overcome... Overco- Overcomb. He must overcomb his own hair. 
and his own pride. I'm just going to roll with it. Why not? He must overcome his own hair and his pride to find a balance between family, baseball, follicles, and parties, or else he might just lose it all. Where'd you come from, Rook? From out of nowhere. He played inside ball. Hit him where they ate. Well, they ain't over the fences, so that's where I hit him. I used to get arrested for that. Now they give me a check. From a boy. He hasn't all the bed in his life. To a man. Yeah, I know. You're making more money than the president. Here, sweet fellas, let's have a hell of a season. <laughs> anyway. He lived his life. Was that the big ape out on a rampage last night? Like he played the game. What the hell are you gonna do with a son of a gun like that? You're still a big kid with 44 home runs and the saddest eyes I've ever seen. I don't even like baseball, but I love to watch you, Sacco. You're out! You better get your eyes checked. You're out it again. Why is everybody riding me? I ain't hurt nobody! I ain't hurt nobody! You are incorrigible! You are washed up! Babe's gonna sock you a home run. Would that make you feel better, Johnny? Two? Are you Santa Claus? That's Well, no, kiddo. I'm Babe Ruth. <laughs> he ain't human, he's an animal. He's a god. The man was a legend. Yeah, pass him out to all the fellas, will you, man? The legend was real. John Goodman, the babe. All right, some major moments for this one. We're starting off. Major moment number one is St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys. We start off by finding out that basically his parents don't know what to do with him, so they drop him off and say, so long, kid. Really, it seemed like his dad didn't know what to do with him, and then. Yeah, but his mom, I mean, it sounded like his mom had a lot of issues, too. Well, yeah, it sounded like mom wasn't able to handle life, and then dad didn't know how to handle the son. Right. So he's there, and we see kind of early on that it's kind of funny at the beginning. It, it shows the scene where, like, he's never picked up a bat before. He doesn't know how to play baseball. And the kids are kind of razzing him a little bit, and, and then he picks up the bat. And, you know, after taking a few swings, he is that the, he at least knocks it over the fence. I don't know if that's the one where he knocks it into one of the stained glass windows. But but then the brother Matthias is kind of uh, he's, he's very impressed by the kid's skills. He's, he's a bit of a baseball nut, the brother is. And uh, so he's very impressed by young Mr. Ruth's skills. We fast forward a little bit to Babe Ruth is about 19, yeah, about 19 years old, a little bit later. And he is scouted by Jack Dunn. I'm calling this major moment the Dunn deal because Dunn chooses to adopt. He chooses to have a baseball team adopt Babe Ruth so that he can come play for them uh, and will take on the responsibilities of adopting the young man. 
Uh, so he does uh, take him on as a player, officially adopts him. Uh, the next major moment is the babe in New York. So this is when he's with the Yankees. His fame and fortune are starting to grow, and this is where he's starting to lose track of some of it. You know, he he's very enamored with the woman he ultimately marries, and he you know buys her that farm and 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 goes through all that. And and we get the scenes where we find that when he's out on the farm, he's he's not quite as happy as when he's partying in the city but she really wants nothing to do with partying in the city so they are two very very different people and it's not working out well and he's not maybe not controlling his spending as best he could and his drinking and his partying and eating and all those other things so but this is where i mean kind of the 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 center of the movie where we see him uh, during his time in new york and just all of the things that we know about Babe Ruth and all the legends that we know of. And the next major moment is one of those other legends that we mentioned during the trivia section, the calling the shot legend, where he's kind of been, took a, took a little bit of a, let's say life threw him a little bit of a curveball and he was struggling a bit. And then Luke Gehrig shows up and uh, starts to maybe outshine him slightly. And so the Babe kind of is in a little bit of a slump there, but then ends up coming out of it and, and starts hitting home runs again. The next major moment I'm officially calling the slump, and that is <laughs> later on in his career when he really starts to lose it. And he had these dreams that one day he was going to be able to call all the shots. He was going to be a manager when he was past his time as a player. And really because of his attitudes and behaviors and, and just how he how he managed himself as a human being, most of the you know, the baseball commissioner and the other managers really did not want to give him a shot at becoming his own manager, so he he's kind of left to just be almost a, a novelty that will bring people into the gates and never really gets the chance to manage his own team, especially not in the way that he wanted to. And then finally, yeah, they the, all from they all from minor leagues, and he doesn't want nothing to do with it. Right, like I'm 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 too good for the minor leagues. Like, I mean, just, just hold on. It maybe start there. <laughs> it's just don't, don't, don't knock it until you've tried it because they might they <laughs> might give you something less if you say no. And then finally, kind of a sad way to end the movie is he he meets up with the boy that had been the kid that was dying in the hospital that he promised he'd hit a home run for, and uh, the boy was expected not to survive, and clearly he has survived into adulthood at this point and meets up with him as he's walking through the tunnel after a game, and and the boy you know thanks him or the man thanks him and is so appreciative for it and tells him, you know, you're the, you're the best babe. You know, you're, you're, you're the absolute best. And he says this line, something along the lines of I'm, I'm gone. I'm solid gone. And then he kind of walks away and, and the guy is still trying to tell him that, well, he's still the best that there ever was. And, you know, kind of as he walks through the tunnel, kind of a, a bit of a broken man at the end of the movie. So kind of a, a sad ending to, to his life, and, and then we find out that, you know, a few years later, he, he would ultimately die of cancer and that his health would not be so good towards the end of his life there. But did I hit uh, those are the major moments that I've got? Is there anything you feel like I missed? Anything you wanted to, anything additional we need to point out before we go on into our deeper thoughts? You know, I, I think that's pretty much it because I was going to say something, but I think it's, I think that gets ahead of my, my deeper thoughts. It seems like the the script, and I'd love to do like one of those fact versus fiction, true story mm-hmm. part of it and all that. It, it seemed like the script kind of followed a 
kind of a predictable path, right? Mm-hmm. Had a bad upbringing. He fought through. No one thought he was any good. He proved he was any good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of, I don't know. I'm getting ahead into the deeper thoughts. Maybe I'll hold that. Yes. As far, I think that was all the major moments of the movie. Okay. All right. In that case, let's think a little bit more deeply about it. And now deep thoughts. All right. Deep thoughts. Initial reactions. First of all, when was the first time you saw this movie? Soon after it came out, like we watched this young. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is not that young anymore, right? 92. 92, so you've been, what, 11? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I remember seeing it. I don't think we saw it in the theater. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I was thinking like HBO cable, something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, it was probably a blockbuster rental for us. I mean, we saw a lot of... um, We saw a lot of movies. John Goodman, especially. My dad went to college with John Goodman at Southwest Missouri State, and so got to see him, you know, perform in their college plays and things like that. So he, my, my dad always loved knowing that that connection was there. So we always saw, you know, King Ralph, I feel like we saw in the theater. This one we saw, I feel like was a pretty early on blockbuster rental after it would have come out on video. And, and, you know, we, we watched Roseanne all the time. And so if John Goodman was in it and it was something that was appropriate for children, we probably were going to see it at some point pretty soon. So this one I remember as being a, not a, not a movie theater viewing, but probably a VHS rental. Yeah, I remember when this came out, but this was the first time I'd seen it. Okay. So in general, before we get into some of the deeper thoughts, just in general, do you like the movie? Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And I mean, John Goodman is just so good, you know, you know what he does and the character that he portrayed was you know, I thought that was great. I, I thought the Elmer Bernstein music was phenomenal, right? Like whenever it was that was come in, I'm like, man, who did the who did the music for the? Oh, Elmer Bernstein. Okay, yeah. so I really liked it. The only thing that I struggled with was that I started reading up on it because, as has been like you know noted on this podcast many times, I am not a, a baseball expert by any means, but I mean, you know heard of Babe, Babe Ruth and, and all that kind of thing. But when I, when I, when I was reading through about it and they started to list off like, well, this is kind of where it aired from history. And this is where it aired. It almost kind of struck me like the same, almost the same reaction that I had with like Jim Morrison's portrayal in the doors yeah. where they, for dramatic effect to tell a story, to make a movie, to, you know what I'm saying? they almost brought out more of the eccentricities and they, you really didn't see a complete picture of, of Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. but you almost saw like a caricature of it to kind of make it more entertaining. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I'm trying to say this delicately because I really, like I said, I don't, I don't want to be negative about the movie. It was fun. It was entertaining. There were parts of it that was really sad. And, you know, you look at it and it's like, wow, the guy just had like a completely self-destructive life. But then, you know, I started reading, like you had mentioned in some of the trivia, was like, well, you know, a lot of that stuff wasn't entirely accurate. And it was, and it was like, okay, well then, 
what am I watching in this movie? You, you know what I'm saying? So I, that was the one thing that, that made it, that put a little bit of a damper on it, you know, was just kind of seeing that, you know, it was a little bit more of a, of a cartoonish, I, I said caricature, I'll, I'll stick with that word. Yeah. But, you know, I thought, I thought it was fun. I thought seeing baseball as it was played in the twenties and thirties was pretty cool. I like the part where like, you know, the barbershop quartet stood up with the big megaphone things and started mm-hmm. singing at the, you know, and that, that was fun. You know, even some of the dialogue I found maybe not entirely realistic, but it was fun. You know, like when she called him an anchovy, you know, you're big anchovy, you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, you know, when his daughters were there and the one guy was like leaning forward, I remember seeing Babe Ruth, you know, it's like, that guy, I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh. And the guy had a face that you just wanted to smack, you know? I mean, it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was entertaining, but that was kind of like, that was the plus and minus for me. Yeah. You know, some of the entertainment value kind of took away from what I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I mean, as I've said before, when we talk about John Goodman movies, I always enjoy pretty much everything he's in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I've come across a, a movie that I didn't enjoy, at least his performance. And this one's no different. You know, I, I enjoy, like you said, getting to see the reenactment of the historical games and, you know, just to just to kind of see him as a, you know, even if some of it is a fictionalized stretch from the actual person, you know, the, the kind of larger than life character that his legends created. And, you know, I think John Goodman did a good job, even though I know John Goodman's not happy with his performance in this movie. I thought he did a good job of kind of portraying the the struggle that Babe Ruth would have gone through with his, you know, with his celebrity and with his kind of the, the struggle of his early life and, and how that affected him for the rest of his the rest of his days. And that struggle between getting a taste of the the money and the and the fame and everything else and. And how he he wouldn't be quite content with the quiet farm life that that his wife would have preferred. So I mean, overall, yeah, I think it's. Are there a couple little hiccups here and there in terms of the some of the storytelling and you know things like that? Sure, but for the most part, overall, I I do enjoy this movie. Yeah, I mean, everything you guys have said is true. John Goodman is an amazing actor, and it surprises me to hear that he didn't like his performance. But yeah, it, it's. I'm I'm a I'm a baseball fan before most other sports, so anything about baseball is gonna is gonna suck me in. So and you know, getting to see the human, even if it's slightly fictionalized, the the human side of one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, this and movie, he was I, a oh yeah, go ahead. He was a he was a in the movie they portrayed him as uh, at least early on as a pitcher as well as a hitter. Like I mean, was he yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. That's pretty rare. Very. Was, it, um, was it more common back in the day, or no? yeah, yeah, it was more common back then. But even then, it was relatively rare. Okay. But now you've got what was the guy this year? Oh gosh, we're just far enough removed from baseball season that I'm forgetting the guy's name. Mm-hmm. But there was a Shohei Otani, one of the first you know, pitchers who could hit and they wanted him in the everyday lineup. First time it's happened in a really long time. Mm. Came over from Japan, 
it's pretty good. So, yeah. So, supposedly, if these numbers are right, this says Babe Ruth's career pitching record was ninety four and forty six, with a two twenty eight ERA. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he was not bad. No, he was a pretty good pitcher. So, I mean, even and and I would say that the fact that he could pitch probably extended his career a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, they, they show it pretty dramatically in the movie as he starts to not being able to hit, but mm-hmm. I think. Was, was his, uh, was the end kind of how it was portrayed in the movie? Did he kind of go out with a, cause the way they made it seem is he kind of went out with a, not riding high, but just kind of like, you know, everyone thought saw him as a has been, but a, even a whimper rather than a bang. A whimper rather than a bang. But again, this is one of those things that, you know, even for the, the non, you know, frequent baseball fans and everything like that, I don't even know what non-frequent baseball fan means. I, someone like me, everybody's heard of Babe Ruth. So at some point, if you went out with a whimper, at some point, that popularity became legend, right? So non-frequent so, baseball I mean, fans, I, non-frequent baseball fans are called White Sox fans. Oh man, come on now, man. <laughs> Not even here to defend himself. <laughs> Not even here to defend himself. Ah, uh, shots fired. Oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. I okay. love you, Dennis. So, <laughs> oh man. So all I'm gonna say is is that accurate? And if it's accurate, what point did he become the stuff of legend again? I think he was destined to be a legend just by all the home runs he hit. I think he was a legend before he retired. He was always going to be the babe. The fact that the fact that they were calling the Yankee stadium, the house that Ruth built before he even retired. I mean, there there was just no, he was going to be a legend. I don't know how perfect the movie portrayed his fall from grace, if you will. But I do know that the, scenes of him running to first base and having someone finish out the home run for him. That really happened mm-hmm. as he got, as he got older and more slow. Okay. Um, so, you know, and that was, that was legal. Like, well, it's... he was the babe and it was a home run. Okay. You know, there's, you know, there are arguments now, like they're not even to speed up the game now, they're not even doing full intentional walks anymore. You just send the guy down to first base. There's There's been talk before, but I don't think it ever gets very far with the players about doing, you know, the ball went over the, the ball went over the wall. You don't have to run out the home run. Like, mm. let's just be done with this because baseball games take so darn long now. I don't think that will, oh God, I hope that will never go away. There's something special about that trot around the bases, I'm just, but well, I'm and, just and some say, of our, and some uh, of our listeners from the British Isles will appreciate when I say this, but every time somebody complains that a baseball game is too long, <laughs> have you watched a cricket match? Well, and the answer and, to that question is always going to be no. <laughs> right. And is, is, is it that the baseball games have gotten so long or is it just that our attention spans have gotten so short and what we look for has changed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is the answer. Yeah. Baseball okay. games have gotten longer. There's documented proof of that. And there the reasons for it are easy to point to, but it's hard to fix those things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I think some of his some of his legend too comes from being on. I mean that that uh, 1927 Yankees team, right? Know, when it's when you've got him and Lou Gehrig playing together, right? And DiMaggio at that point too, or no? Was he there too? I don't remember. I gotta look. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, to me, that when when you hear about that kind of lineup, it it reminds me of and one of my favorite things about you know living here. I was I was always a Michael Jordan fan, even as a kid. Like I loved watching the Bulls even before I moved to Chicago. But being able mm-hmm. to be here, living in Chicago, going to Bulls games oh. when you had Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and it, like that whole team for the years that we had them. No, DiMaggio was much much later than was that. Late, okay. I should have known that. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was blanking out on on when he would have been there. Yeah, um, that was that was stupid. But I mean, it, it's kind of like I I put it in in a similar category to that. Like when you had all of those guys together on the Bulls, or you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, you know, that whole team, the the multiple mm-hmm. Super Bowl winning team. I always think of things like that. But I mean. In terms of legends, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig being on the same team and just dominating. And, and to this day, I think a lot of people are arguing that that's possibly one of the greatest ball teams that's ever existed is the, the Yankees in the 20s. Yeah. Now, there was a reference dropped to the Black Sox scandal and baseball was almost ruined and all that, but Babe kept it going. Mm-hmm. Was that accurate? I mean, was he... Was there some sort of a strike that he played through? Like how, what was a little bit more of the historical context of? The Black Sox scandal was a cheating scandal. Okay. Eight players from the Chicago White Sox, seven players, depending on your version of history, were paid to throw the World Series. And that was in one of the movies we watched a couple, a year ago, a couple years ago. Wasn't that? Did we watch uh... that was that was four years ago? Yeah, we did, oh, didn't geez. we? It was oh. if you want to if you want to go all the way back to episode number one ninety five, say it ain't so. That was eight men out from nineteen eighty eight. There you go. Eight men out. Okay. And after that, baseball hit a skid, kind of like after the more recent strike. Yeah. And the excitement of players like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig certainly helped. Okay. You know, you see a guy hitting home runs and and being the boisterous character that he was probably helped to some extent too. You know, the, the, all the things that the owners complained about him probably helped save the game a little bit too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that, you know, the, the scandal with the white Sox was 1919 mm-hmm. and you've got, you know, Babe Ruth is, is up and coming in the twenties. So that was kind of, you know, you, you hit a, okay. you hit, you hit baseball's probably its lowest point after that happened, you know, and, and America kind of losing trust in their pastime that it's, uh, it's fixed now. So, you know, what's, what's the point? And I, at that point then it's like, well, you need a big personality to kind of get us out of this rut that we're in. Okay. So I had my timing off that happened right before. And he kind of came up in the aftermath the, yeah. the way I was like, Oh, that, that somehow happened during his time. And okay. I understand that. It was the timeline. It was right us, around so. his time. His first he year. Started, he started. 19, yeah. His first 19? year was 1914 with 14. the Red Sox, okay. but he only played five games. So his first real year would have been the 1915 
Red Sox in 1919. In 19, he played, 1920 is when he got sold to the Yankees. So that's right. right after the season after all that. Yeah. So in 1919, he played 130 games for the Boston Red Sox and he hit 29 home runs. So he wasn't the Babe Ruth that yet in, sold to the Yankees, which is another publicity thing. Like yeah. he was sold to the Yankees to pay a debt on a musical pro- that the owner of the Red Sox had produced. And yeah. he owed people some money. Yeah. And so he was sold to the Yankees for exactly what he owed the creditors for that show. Yeah. And then that. Well, so, and so you had the White Sox scandal in 1919. Well, his first season with the Yankees in 1920, I was looking at some of his stats here. He goes um, and hits 54 home 54 runs and 134 runs. Yeah. RBIs. Yeah. And and the next the next season he hit 59 homers and drove in 170 runs. And his pitching stats in 20, 4.5 year, he only pitched one game. He didn't pitch as much for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. There are gaps in his pitching for the Yankees. He did more pitching early in yeah. his career. So if he didn't pitch, what position did he play? Or would he have been a batter and just like a relief left field i think because they didn't have the um, dh right away yeah he was an outfielder i don't remember yeah i'm trying to see if they have that here i'm on baseball reference hey and well my here's my here we um, go maybe here's my non-baseball question but while you're looking that up do all the guys that hit have to be out in the field and then if so, is there any depth? Like, okay, our typical third baseman is injured. We have someone that can go in in their place. And then what's to say that if you want to keep a guy that's a really great hitter rested, you can just make him like the backup third baseman or something like that. And he just goes out for the hitting line. Like, how do those rules go that you got to be on both sides of the ball? There is a DH now in baseball. There was not back then. No, it didn't start. To, I looked it up just as you were asking that. It started in 73. Yeah, I was going to say that's a relatively new construct. Yeah. He played most of his games in the outfield in his career by far more than any other. Played more right field than left, but not by much. Like over a career of 2,500 games, he played... A thousand in left field and eleven hundred in right field. So over that many games, that might as well be a push. So mostly outfield, a little bit of first base, which is where I would put him. But you know, <laughs> but then you had Gehrig, which didn't help. Right. <laughs> um, less a pitcher than I thought. You which think after. Is- after after I made a joke about the White Sox earlier, I'm going to say something nice about them. Like that, I feel like the Babe Ruth at first base makes me think of all the times I'd watch Frank Thomas at first base. Indeed. Oh, the the, the big boy at first, I feel like is, oh. is you got to intimidate those guys coming into first, and and Babe Ruth would have been. I oh Babe yes. Ruth, I saw was was six foot two. Now they always talk about him being a bigger guy, and I see how much he weighed, and I'm like, well, but but, but hold on. Like two is <laughs> not a big guy there. Well, um, but the question is, when did they pull that? Like, well, what year is that from? They they pulled it, it when he was like, you know, holding on to something while standing on the scale. 
Yeah, maybe and because that. So I, it shows I'm, it shows that Babe Ruth was six two and and. It says here 215. I, I have trouble yeah, believing that that, I, was his, that that was his peak weight. But, you know, but having him at well, first base. Well, depending on how you define peak. Well, yeah. But having him at first yeah, explain, base, I mean, that's that ex- makes me think of, like, you know, all the times you say, Frank Thomas, what was he, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? Mm-hmm. Oh, the dude was massive. Yeah, explain, explain, explain to the, the non-baseball guy, why would you, did you say that would not have been your first choice of him at first baseball, or it would have been? Oh, no, it would have been. It, it. It tends to go to a bigger guy who's maybe not as mobile. You don't okay. need as much range at first base. I mean, okay. that's not to say you can't have range at first base, but if you're trying to quote unquote hide someone who can't move around the field as much, first base is a place to do it. Okay. It also often goes to lefties, which he was one, and that has to do with tagging. Mm-hmm. On a pickoff throw. That was my my son was when he plays baseball. He used to get put at first base because he's a lefty, mm-hmm. uh, and it always boggled our minds whenever the coaches would put him at third. I was like, Yeah, it's a weird put a, transition. Put a lefty at third? What do you? You got to pick it up and you got to turn to throw it, or you've got to really master a sidearm throw. A left-handed third baseman is yeah. mechanically difficult. Yeah. Now that's not to say you can't do it. But it's it's a totally different motion. Like you feel that ground ball, yeah. And to square up to first base, you almost have to pivot. Whereas a right-handed third baseman can pick up, step, and throw right away. Rizzo for the Cubs wasn't he? Uh, he was a lefty. Wasn't was he? Yeah, and he played he played third, didn't he? Rizzo was a first baseman. I thought he You're played third. You're um, thinking Chris Bryant. I thought Rizzo Bryant played third. Played third. A few well, times. he might have gone over there a little bit, but yeah. he was primarily. Okay. Like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, primarily he was, but I thought he moved to, I thought he moved to third base a couple of times. Maybe not as much for the Cubs. Maybe, maybe since he's been a Yankee. Yeah, well. <laughs> they do all sorts of weird nonsense mm-hmm. over there. So, you know, one of Anthony Rizzo's. See, okay, so here's a great example Anthony Rizzo's 6'3, 240. Oh, okay. yeah. But he's, he's really, but, he's that tall. Oh, yeah, he's a big boy. Oh, man. <laughs> but, Let's not forget. Got, you were okay. right. Bats left, throws left. You were right there. I'm just I'm just going to point out this is why I don't play baseball because I'm not 6'3". Right. It's a different 240. I mean, <laughs> you put 240 on Anthony Rizzo, that is mostly muscle mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe Babe Ruth's 215, which I still don't buy. I'd like I'd like to say that 240 of me is muscle. Wouldn't that be great to say? I can't account for the rest of it, but indeed in, indeed I'm looking up to see because they baseball reference does a great the, the rest is position. The, the rest is padding to protect the muscle right because you need that i, I have i have definitely. my i have my own exoskeleton that's what i'm <laughs> was calling babe it. ruth was babe ruth a switch hitter like they showed yeah because they they kind of they threw it in there and it they, was almost like it was kind of a joke when he did it, though. Like, he did it to fool around. He's not officially yeah. listed as a switch hitter, but I do believe he did that on occasion. Yeah. Okay. Looking for, is it appearances that I'm looking for? Yeah, it is. He has only, yeah, Rizzo only played one game at third base. Okay. All right. I feel like I remembered because... Because that Rizzo was one of John's favorite players when he was on the Cubs. Well, and, and it might have been a big deal when he did because a lefty third baseman right. is a strange deal. Yeah, and, and there were, there were a few that... game, yeah there were a few games when John was playing that they they put him over at third and Sharon and I are sitting over there going okay yeah <laughs> all right um, we'll see how this goes. 
What's what's amazing to me is in that year he played second base for ten games. Really? What it doesn't do in this is tell you how many innings in those ten games. Well, yeah, that's true. And he also played 157 games at first base that year. Well, there's only 162 in a season, so oh, yeah. the math doesn't quite add up. It could have been he could have played second base for an inning or something silly. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Do yeah, we have, before we, before we get to our three questions, do we have anything else that we want to say about the babe? Well, you know, the times he was showing up for training camp and kind of above the. Was that accurate? I mean, how was he as a teammate? Because the movie kind of painted it as he was standing up to authority. And, you know, basically that whole thing with the manager where he's just like, get in there, Ruth. And he's like, dude, whatever. And then he's just in there walloping him out of the, out of the, you know, out of the park. Just so the, I mean, that was kind of there. So the manager could be sitting there going, God, what do you do with a guy like that? You know, but then on the flip side, yeah, there's been plenty of times that we've seen, you know, you see people with a lot of talent, but they're not coachable. And that becomes a problem. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Was he that guy? Well, that's a tough one. I think so. I I get the feeling from everything you read that that was the case. You don't, I mean, a great example is you hear a lot of how this movie was inaccurate about some things. You don't hear that it was inaccurate about that. Okay. That was my question. (laughs) That was my question. Yeah. Well, and if I remember, um, if I remember right, during the '30s, when you had the Great Depression, that a bunch of players from across Major League Baseball and and all sports, I believe, took pay cuts because of the economy, you know, tanking as it did, and he did not. He was pretty stubborn about yeah. it. He's like, "Nope, you're going to pay me what I bring people to the stands. You're going to pay me what you're going to pay me because without me, you got no baseball." So that's I mean, the Ruth built apparently right. And apparently he was, he was very stubborn. He was very selfish, much like it showed in the movie. He, he drank, mm-hmm. he partied from other things that I had read. He, you know, he, he played well in games, but you know, when it came to practices and, and, you know, off season training and things like that, he basically was a no show. Yeah. Which I'm sure endeared him to his teammates when he also chose not to take pay cuts when everyone else was voluntarily taking pay cuts or, or involuntarily taking, taking pay cuts. Yeah. And that's, this is no indictment upon the movie because you know, those are aspects that the movie showed, but that's kind of hard to see, you know, and obviously, you know, we're all human beings and even the, you know, great ball players are human beings with failings and all that. But that's the part that just kind of makes it be like, you know, I know it ended with you're the greatest ever and all that kind of stuff. But when you hear those other things, that doesn't come across as a statement, you know, of look how great you are. It just kind of comes across as, well, we're just trying to feed this guy's ego. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I would have been, and again, this is not investment in the movie per se, but it's like, I guess it's easier to cheer for a person if you saw him out there sweating with the team and taking the pay cuts and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And before before I get angry mail from all the the fans out there and all that, you know, I'm not, Hey, I'm not trying to take anybody down, but it's, 
Yeah. Well, and I, and I guess maybe that's changed a little bit too, especially with now that everyone's on Twitter and knows everybody's business and all that, but you know, we don't have to put our sports heroes on pedestals quite so much anymore. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that, that, that kind of part of it is, is hard to see, you know? I mean, you know, it's funny you mentioned like the Bulls and, and Jordan, and, and that's what watching that The Last Dance. Did you ever watch The Last Dance? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Because when we when we talked, I know you were saying like you were was that you, John? You were like maybe holding off because you didn't want to see it tarnish the image that you had, or was I thinking of someone else? No, I th- I mean I just hadn't watched it yet. Okay. That I, sounds like Dennis, maybe. Might be. You know, I, I, at the time, I think as it was coming out, because it, it was six parts, wasn't it? Something like, yeah. yeah. Sounds right. I feel like at the time, the whole thing hadn't come out yet, and I was already kind of a little bit behind on some of the episodes. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm probably just going to wait until the whole thing comes out, and then I'll catch it as one big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I can't speak to, you know, like all the ins and outs, but that that's almost like, you know, when you talk about like a Michael Jordan, how he was with the bulls and all that kind of thing, mm. you know, I, uh, it was, it was interesting. Cause at least what comes out in the last dance and I know like anything, there's always controversy and all that. But I mean, what seemed to come out in there is that he was very present in the training camps and all that, or, you know, all the off season and possibly over present. I mean, he well, was that, going that was so hard at practice that drove people nuts. Yeah. Like he was just, like pushing everybody around him. Like it was just like a, a, a just a different type deal. So yeah, I don't know what yeah, the heck my I, point was. Cause but. I think what I, what I hear about Babe Ruth in, in the very little, the sparse reading and, and research that I've done on Babe Ruth, what I hear about him is it's, it's, it's much different. It's, well, I hit the home runs. I'm going to show up and I'm gonna hit the home runs and that's how it's going to be. Whereas like you're saying, Jordan, you know, he was, he'd show up and he wanted everybody at their best because if mm-hmm. he was going to play at that level, he wanted everybody else to play, you know, to rise to his level as well. I don't see Babe Ruth showing up in practice and, and either inspiring or pushing his teammates mm-hmm. from, from the things I've read. And, and maybe historically it was different. He didn't seem much like a team player. It was more like, I'm your superstar. I'm going to go out and I'm going to hit the home runs and the rest of you just do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to do the stuff that makes yeah. me famous. And I always wonder with great athletes, and again, not judging at all, because I'm not a great athlete, but I mean, how they perceive the game. Like there's people that can be very much enamored with the game and very much in love with the game and the fan thing. And many times I've read about great athletes that see it as a business, period. Mm -hmm. You know, so that whole idea of for the love of the game, how much does that play into, well, hey, this is my job. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or I mean, given, given his childhood and given his upbringing, was it just, hey, this gives me attention? Well, there's that, too. I mean, you know, you know, you, I'll, you'll talk to, like, you know, motorcycle racers, and, you know, they race motorcycles, but, it, you know, like, that's, like, their profession, and they are into other things, you know, whereas, you know, as the fan, you think, oh, they're out riding all the time. Some of those guys, you know, are, and... But some of them, hey, that's my job. I train for it, but that's professional. I do other things to relax. You know, runners, oh, I go out because that's my moment of zen, you know, my morning run and all that. But, like, professional runners, no, it's like training, and that's not what they do to relax. Right. And then some do. I mean, I'm not 
but I just, I, I find that an interesting thing. Just how do they, how do they frame that in their own mind? Well, and I would be curious to know if the line that he says in the movie, when the, when the one manager or whoever it was, was trying to get him to kind of clean up his drinking and clean up his partying and, and everything else in the line, in the movie, he says some, some line like, look, last year I hit 59 home runs, never went to bed before three drank all night. Like, but do you want me to change? Like I'm partying hard. I'm not sleeping. Like I, the guy was trying to tell him, you know, get to bed early, you know, don't party so much. Don't drink so much, eat better. And, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm partying hard. I'm not getting to bed before three o'clock in the morning. I drink all night and I'm hitting 59 home runs a year. What would you like me to change? So I don't know if he ever actually said that, but that kind of, to me kind of sums mm-hmm. up what I picture his attitude about things being. It's like, I'm doing whatever I want to do and, and I'm still, I'm still performing. That's what, that's what will frustrate me sometimes, you know, with uh, and at working in schools. I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced this to some point, but I remember when I was in the classroom and, and on occasion with, you know, some of my own children, there are moments where I'm like, if you just would, if you just would do this and do this and do this, things are going to work out better. And they'll throw it back at you and be like, well, but I'm doing what I'm doing now and everything's working fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. right. However, long-term, <laughs> long-term, this is not going to work for you. Right. You need well, to, you need I to, mean, you need to do some things a little bit differently. Sure. Can you, can you stay up until three o'clock in the morning, drink all night and 50 hit 59 home runs in a year? Absolutely. You can. How many years in a row do you think that you're going to be able to keep that up? Well, and that was played out at the end of the movie when right. no one wanted to hire him. And he was, you know, I, I mean, right. and, and again, this is where it falls back on the movie is what does that say? Because they almost played it like, well, it's just the jerks were going after him and he showed them. And, and again, I, boy, I want to be careful. I don't want to say any negative thing, but well, the message is maybe if he wasn't staying up all late and drinking and doing the whole thing, yeah, well, maybe he would have ended stronger. Maybe he would have gotten that manager position. Maybe like you alluded to at the beginning, maybe you prove yourself in the minors and you work your way up. You know, I mean, whereas as it is, he, he called the shot in his own foot. Yeah. Yes. It's a good way to put that. All right. The other thing that this has in common with another really great movie is the theme of desserts with beer. So I so I mentioned I, I mentioned one movie that we're going to do as a Patreon short in January. One of the other movies that we're doing as a Patreon special in January is The Outsiders from 1983. That'll be our that'll be our Patreon episode in January. Outsiders from 1983. There was a great scene in which I don't remember if it's soda pop or if it's one of the other ones. He goes in. He, he's got a big piece of chocolate cake and a bottle of beer, and he's going to go watch like Mickey Mouse cartoons. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of that when a Babe Ruth has the line in this movie, hey, bring me a slice of pie and bring me another bottle of beer, too. <laughs> it's the, apparently, it's the, it's the beer-dessert combination. All right. Uh, Do we have anything else? It just hits differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As the kids say, it really slaps, I guess. Oh, wow. Look at you. I've, I've Look got at all you. the... Hey, I, there's, there's no cap in this podcast. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, granted, 
I have been asked not to drop any of this slang in public. Okay. But sometimes the kids will tolerate it when I do it in the privacy of our own home. Hmm. As long as I don't put three or more slang terms in the same sentence. Then apparently that's not good. Or feed the slang terms after midnight. That's also true. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. But if a piece of food gets stuck in its teeth and then after midnight it comes out. (laughs) If it licks itself after midnight. (laughs) Yes. Sure. As you do. All right. Do we have anything else before three questions? Hello. (laughs) In that case, it's time for three questions. Right. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. Question number one. If you could go back in time and see a historical athlete play or perform their sport, who would you want to go see? I am opting for, I think I'm opting for a couple different ones. Either Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith in his prime, or I would like to go back and and see live because I don't remember if I ever did. I would like to go back and see live a and I apologize in advance to our Oklahoma contingent, Ricky Williams, when he was in his prime, running for the Texas Longhorns, mm-hmm. because watching him run was a thing of beauty. Or Vince Young in the uh, national championship game. Okay. I've been thinking like Ron Santo. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. I only, I, not being from Chicago, I only knew, hmm. ever knew Ron Santo as a, as a commentator on the radio. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. My dad was a huge fan, and we went to his Hall of Fame induction, and yeah, I just think, yeah, that would be the one. Yeah. Patrick? You know, whoa, you know, where did my voice go? She's gone. You know, I think getting to see Ayrton Senna drive a car live, like watching him race. I kind of thought that would be your answer. Yeah. Like in any of those, any of the greats, you know, that would be amazing. But watching Ayrton Senna drive, you know, specific races, like any of the things he did around Monaco, you know, there was 1993 Donington where like, I think they call it the lap of the gods where it was raining, except for, (laughs) for some reason, Senna passed like at the opening lap, he passed like five cars. I mean, he just, 
did things that day that was, you know, amazing. So, I mean, I think watching Ayer and Senna drive would be awesome. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of the great bike racers ride and, you know, but I mean, that was, that was for racing, you know, Ayrton Senna watching him drive would have been awesome. Walter Payton play, you know, seeing him do some of his amazing things would have been great. You know, I'd love to have been in a game, watch Brett Favre, you know, play Mm -hmm. and uh, see him do some of the stuff he did live would have been awesome. I mean, I've seen a lot of this stuff on TV but I think your question was seeing them live, right? Or yeah. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of stretching, but uh, you know, thinking back, you know, uh, some of Muhammad Ali's great fights would have been awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of the, the list. That's kind of the list that I've got. But the top of the list, I, I'd have to say, would be watching Iron Senna race. Mm-hmm. So. Dennis was not able to be here tonight, but he did text in some his uh, some of his answers. His yeah. response was a sach- Satchel Page would be his historical. Oh, uh, right on. And my family, I, I did run the three questions past them tonight, too. My family was a combination of, my son said Michael Jordan. My daughter said, blah, sports. And, sports ball. Yeah. And uh, my wife said, uh, pretty much just the 85 Bears. There you go. Yeah. So. Question number two, if you were going to play baseball, what position would you play? Or if you have played baseball, what position did you play? I did not ever play baseball, but my position that I enjoyed in cricket and always would have wanted to play if I did play baseball was I always want to be a catcher. Yeah, that's mine too. I always I enjoyed, a lot of, always enjoyed a lot the idea of catcher growing up. I always enjoyed the idea of like putting on what I picture as being the armor and, and being the catcher mm-hmm. back there. I I'd like to be the color commentator. Okay. You know there what I'm saying? Yeah. That'd be fun. Right. I get excited about things and you know just a bit outside. Although just I don't think he was outside. the color. Yeah. But that was he wasn't functioning as the color commentator, was he? No, that was the play by play, but your your the sentiment still stands. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that works. That works. Hey, jumping back to question one, here's one that would have been great. Is have you ever read about the original Dream Team before? It was sometime before they were. It was like right before the Olympics started, and they they had like a scrimmage that turned into like a an all out just hardcore game. Did you guys ever read about that? Yeah, that sounds cool. That would have. I've read about that. That would have been the game to see. Like that. Like just being in the stands and watching those guys go at it. And from all accounts, they like went at it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that would have been really cool. Dennis did play baseball. Yeah, he did. He was a pitcher. Uh, He said, though, in hindsight, I wish I played more outfield or third base. (laughs) All right. What is your favorite final question? What is your favorite John Goodman role? Oh, this, my friend, is not fair. I know. Evil, evil question. <laughs> who wants to who wants to go first? It's, it's easy one for me, Walter Subcheck. Yeah, I figured you'd take Wally. <laughs> I mean, I love the big Lebowski, and he is just great in that movie. 
Yeah, with John Goodman, it's always got to be comedy. It's just a question of which one. I actually really liked him in, it was an Amazon Prime show, Alpha House. He played a, he played a senator, and I just I thought the show was great. It was sad that it was only two seasons worth. But then, you know, well, I'll, I'll hit some more after John goes. I don't want to take one. Well, I have, I mean, I'm always a fan of Walter. And I was, I was looking on down the list, and I was like, oh, man. There's, there's a lot of stuff here. The one I'm going to have to go for, though, and I will I will share my answer by way of quoting part of the movie. You mean you busted out of jail? No, ma'am. We released ourselves of our own recognizance. What Avell here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. I am going Raising Arizona. Nice. Good choice. I, I love him in that movie. And, I mean, I... I mean, there's going down his list of the movies he's been in. I, there's so many of them that I could rattle off. You know, he's I love his part in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Of course, Revenge of the Nerds when he's the coach. Always, I actually love him. I, I know that you know that movie is is not always the most popular one, but I thought he was a great mm-hmm. character in Always. What was his character's name? Al, I think was his name. Of course, Delbert from Arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. And as much as some people don't like King Ralph, I do like King Ralph. So. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great one. We've got another one coming up with him, which I have not seen in a very long time, but I always remember really liking this movie and, and seeing it several times. We got the one coming up in January, uh, matinee. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. He's he's really good in his guest starring role in The West Wing. I think. Yes, yes that was the one I was going to say. He plays oh, a sorry, really Bo. no no you're fine that was the sec that was my runner up so no this is perfect I made a suggestion the other day that if we start running out of which I don't know if we're going to but if we start running out of TV shows to watch if we finished all the seasons of all the shows that we're currently watching I have I think I made a suggestion not that long ago that maybe we should go back and restart West Wing nice mm-hmm. Ennis did chime in and he said I I know many of you will pick Roseanne or Big Lebowski but I'm going to go with Cloverfield Lane Ten Cloverfield mm. Lane which I think was Oscar worthy. Very nice. So, he was really good. I did not see that. Oh, it's very good. Also love him in Fallen, but I like that movie anyway. When he plays Jonesy, you know, one of the cops. Mm-hmm. And time is on his side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I think that was, did we, did we all get in on question three there? Yeah. I think we did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been, this has been The Babe, not to be confused with the pig movie, which I also thought was funny. I looked up, I was looking up something earlier, and I believe Babe Ruth was born in Pigtown, Maryland. Oh, for God's sake. So The Babe was born in Pigtown, <laughs> Maryland. Babe is also a pig. That's too good. Both starring James Cromwell. It's the crossovers are unending. It's it's like we're astronauts on some kind of a Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> couldn't help yourself, could ya? I couldn't. I'm sorry. I mean, I could have, but no, I really couldn't. All right. Well, our next episode's coming up. Our, we've got, because our Patreon episodes this month, Eating Raul from 1982 is our main Patreon episode. Christmas Story Christmas and Conan the Barbarian are the Patreon shorts that are going to be out this month. And then the regular episodes we've got, the last few episodes we've had so far in December have been 
We did the Rocketeer 40th anniversary interview I did with writer and artist Steve Bryant, who was really inspired by Dave Stevens and his work on the Rocketeer. We had Santa Claus the movie that we did with Podrick as one of our special episodes. That one was, it was 1985, I think, was Santa Claus the movie. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the one that you're listening to right now is The Babe. Next week, we've got All I Want for Christmas, followed up with Home Alone 2. We have a special bonus episode that I'm not going to mention just yet, but it will come out on Christmas Day. That will be our little Christmas gift to you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to find out on Christmas Day, so make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you can get that when it comes out. And then finally, we're going to end off the year with The Muppet Christmas Carol. Then, when we get into January, our Patreon episodes for January, The Outsiders from 1983 will be our main Patreon episode. Our Patreon shorts will be Mr. Mom from 1983, and somehow, in a 10 to 15 minute episode, I'm going to do a little Patreon short on my favorite movies that I saw during 2022. So hmm. I will see if That's I can good, man. see if I can keep that into 10 to 15 minutes. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but we're going to do our best. This Patreon short will be 15 hours in a departure from our normally scheduled service when we when when we say short and it's all relative and then we start off the year we start off our 1993 year with jurassic park which coincidentally is episode 450 we're already we're already halfway from 400 to 500 gents that's crazy uh so we start 1993 with episode 450 jurassic park followed up with the next week with matinee free willy and then one that i'm sure pat will enjoy and have a lot to say about we finish up the month of january with dragon the bruce lee story I'm excited for that movie, man. I am excited. All all kinds of good stuff. All right. Well, Patrick, Bo, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. And everybody, we're, we're still a little bit away from Christmas, but uh, hopefully, hopefully you're having a good December, that you're having a good uh, holiday season. If you celebrate any of the holidays, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, Taco Tuesday, whatever. Whatever you want to celebrate. Toyotathon. I don't know. I pick one. Celebrate. <laughs> celebrate yourself if you want to. I don't know. But we hope you're having a great holiday season. And Merry Christmas if you do celebrate it coming up here soon. And we'll see you back here next week for All I Want for Christmas. Not the Mariah Carey song, although we might sing it. I promise everyone I will not sing it. I can't promise that Pat won't. Pat will not be singing. I said I can't promise that Pat won't. I didn't say Pat wouldn't promise that Pat won't. I see. So there's a chance. There's, so, so you're, so you're saying, saying there's, there's a, a chance. chance. <laughs> <sighs> Samson, oh, I, I was way off. All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you back here next week. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And drink some eggnog.